For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome, baseball fans, to the 20th and Blake podcast. My name is Luke Zalman as part of MileHighSports.com, and this will be another edition, the latest edition, of your Rockies-centered podcast. Me and Anilo Piro will be switching off throughout the year to give you guys some of the Rockies' biggest stories, kind of our reactions to games, series, previews, and, you know, much more. It's Today's podcast is about the bullpen. Obviously, Anilo touched on the starting rotation the other day. Um, so we're doing kind of a three-part series. This will be the bullpen. The next will be, the obviously, the lineup. Um, so we'll kind of break down where the Rockies are strong, where they may struggle this year, and kind of everything in between. Um, just introing myself a little bit. I am new to the Mile High Sports team. I helped with some of the Nuggets coverage. But I'm going to be leading the Rockies coverage this year, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, lifelong baseball guy. I started, you know, from T-ball and worked all, all the way up to high school ball. Obviously, I uh, burned out. That's, you know, why I chose to cover it instead. Um, you know, I just, I remember back in the day, me and my dad would sit around and talk about baseball, basketball, football, everything in between. I mean, since I was little. It was always been kind of about, you know, anything with a ball to me. So I'm real excited to get started with the Rockies coverage. Um, I think it's going to be a good year for the Rockies. They're set up to be pretty successful this year after two straight years in the postseason. Obviously, two years ago, they get to the wild card game. Last year, they get past the wild card game, beat the Cubs, get to the division series, and they fell to the Milwaukee Brewers in a sweep. So it was kind of a disappointing end of the season, but the team is getting farther and farther along. Obviously they re-signed Nolan Arenado, signed Daniel Murphy. So they're making a couple moves, but they stayed relatively stagnant this off season. They chose to kind of upgrade in-house rather than go out again. Obviously last season, the story was the free agent acquisitions for the bullpen. They do Brian Shaw. They get Jake McGee back on, re-signed him they get Wade Davis from the Cubs spend over a hundred million dollars to try to kind of supplement their bullpen add them to you know Adam Ottavino Chris Russ and those guys that were already in the pen and they tried to create somewhat of a super bullpen um, obviously that trend has started ever since you know Wade Davis was a part of the Kansas City Royals and they won that World Series um, you know those teams that once you got past the sixth inning, if you had a lead, it was relatively over. Um, so the bullpen has really, really grown in popularity for GMs throughout the past couple years. Um, and it's going to be pretty important for the Rockies. Obviously, last year, their starting rotation, as Anilo touched on, was very good. You know, fourth most innings in the league, fourth best ERA franchise history, led by Kyle Freeland, led by Jermaine Marquez. So, obviously, if they can get John Gray going again, they get Chad Bettis, they get Tyler Anderson, they could have a pretty formidable rotation. Um, I think relying on, you know, a team that does play at altitude to kind of produce the same results they did as last year may be kind of, maybe kind of overrating their chances. I think that 
the bullpen is definitely going to have to be a bigger a bigger deal this year. I think that they're going to need you know a little more production out of their bullpen. They're going to need a couple more strong bullpen arms because obviously those acquisitions didn't really work out that well. Um, and then this offseason, they lose Adam Ottavino. Obviously, huge year last year. One of the best relievers in the National League. Yankees get him for three years, $27 million. That's not a bad contract. That's the same amount that Shaw and Jake McGee are both making. Um, obviously, less than Wade Davis's record-breaking deal. So, it's, it's one of those things where you almost wonder if they would have been better off not signing Shaw and getting Ottavino this offseason. But obviously, hindsight's 2020. You can't really... You can't really guess that Ottavino is going to end up signing for the exact same amount. I mean, no one could have guessed that. Um, and it's also hard to pay for a single year. I mean, Adam Ottavino had stretches, um, but he dealt with some injuries. Last year was kind of his breakout, and it's really hard to pay a guy after, you know, one solid year. Obviously, he showed flashes, like I said, but, you know, one consistent year, it's kind of hard to allocate a lot of money to that, especially after all the money they had just spent last offseason on the bullpen. Um, so what I'm seeing really with the bullpen sans Adam Ottavino and with, you know, kind of little additions, um, really no additions outside of in-house, um, is they're going to be very righty heavy. They only have a few lefties. Um, they look like they're going to not have Chris Russin from the beginning. He's kind of their long relief guy. They're not going to have him from the beginning because of a back injury. So that's going to kind of hurt their lefties even more. But we'll just jump right in with... Kind of the Rockies, obviously Ottavino was their best reliever, but their best returning reliever and most consistent was probably their closer, Wade Davis. Obviously, he leads the National League in saves last year. He gets 43, second in the league to Edwin Diaz. So he had he had a very good year. I mean, his stats across the board, pretty similar. Um, I did notice that his hard per- hit percentage was a little up. He was definitely allowing harder contact. Um, he kind of decreased the usage of his fastball. Obviously when he was with the Royals in 2014, it was hovering around 60% last year. wasn't even touching 50. Um, and he kind of used that and supplemented it with his curveball usage. Um, each pitch, you know, had its day, had its bad days. Um, obviously he still has that change up, but he didn't use it much. It was his worst pitch. Um, I really think that we're probably going to get as the Rockies are probably going to get another another consistent year. You're probably looking at, you know, 35 to 40 saves. He'll That's his specialty. You know what you're going to get. He's not going to make it look pretty all the time. Um, he's going to allow some contact. He's going to allow some walks. He's going to allow some hits. But other than that, I mean, he's going to be consistent. He's going to shut the door more times than not. Obviously, blown save-wise, he wasn't, you know, very high last year. I, I really think that you know, six, six isn't really that terrible. Um, I think obviously you would hope for zero. I mean, that's the, that's what every GM would hope, but obviously that's not what you're always going to get. So I think that relying on him for that 35 to 40 save range with a couple saves being picked up by some other guys throughout, I think that's probably what you're going to be seeing this year. Um, Obviously, he'll be among the National League leaders. The Rockies tend to play, especially last year with their offense kind of sputtering. They played a lot of close games, so he was in there a lot for save situations. Um, I'm not, it's obviously hard to tell where the offense will be this year. Um, I think that, I think that overall you're going to be seeing, you know, very, very similar usage to last year. Obviously, it was his best year save-wise. 
Um, so I think when he came to the Rockies from that cu- from the Cubs, obviously he was acquired by the Cubs kind of to create their own Super Bowl pin with Araldis Chapman. I think that without with him coming over, he was really expecting to up his save total. And obviously in some circles, it's a really misused stat. I mean, save what is a save really, obviously if they come in and they have a substantial lead, did they really save much? Um, so, I mean, obviously that can be argued, but it is nice to have a guy that, you know, can come out of the bullpen, you know, he's going to give you, you know, pretty solid innings, you know, he's going to give you saves. Um, so he's going to be relied on pretty heavily. I think the other guy that's going to be relied upon pretty heavily, also a righty, obviously in their pretty righty centric pin is going to be Scott Oberg. He had, he had a breakout year too, but it kind of went under the radar last year because of how successful Ottavino was, but Oberg had a great year last year too obviously sub three era um in the playoffs is when he really excelled in the wild card game he obviously throws an inning in a third four k's he strikes out everyone he sees um that was you know that was pretty impressive to see as you know someone who's seen oberg kind of throughout the years he's kind of he's kind of sputtered a little bit obviously he's you know, been near a five ERA every year except for last year. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how successful he is. Obviously, he allowed two earned runs, struck out three in that final game of the Milwaukee series. So that wasn't very great. But overall, I mean, he's 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 kind of he's kind of similar to Wade Davis. You know, he's going to get hit. I mean, he got hit hard last year. Lots of line drives, not a ton of fly balls. Um, he also increased his fastball usage last year. He kind of sits in that like 96 range. He can bring it up, but that's kind of where he's going to sit. Um, his slider, you know, was kind of the second best offering he has. Um, other than that, I mean, he throws sinker, he throws a changeup. Changeup's not great, but he doesn't really use it much. Sinker doesn't really use it much. And he's kind of going to come in and be that, be that long relief guy with Chris Russin out. Um, Obviously, with that back injury, it kind of depletes their bullpen a little bit. Um, but I think Oberg should probably have pretty good success. I mean, with the type of arsenal that he has, especially with that fastball being of a higher velocity, I think that you'll probably see him be successful again this year. Um, obviously, allowing that same line drive rate isn't great when you're pitching in course field. But I think overall he should be he should be a pretty good pitcher. He's had he's had a pretty good spring too, so he's kind of carrying it over from last year. So obviously, I mean, the Rockies would hope that he's kind of there. Obviously, he had a slight breakout last year, kind of an underrated breakout. They're kind of hoping that he's the Adam Ottavino of this year. Um, so I mean, it's hard to rely on him to be that good. I mean, there were stretches where Ottavino was borderline untouchable, especially with that, you know, slider that looks like a wiffle ball. I mean, that's hard to compete with. But Oberg should be a pretty good arm for them. Um, Another righty out of the pen, one of those offseason acquisitions last year, formerly of the Cleveland Indians, Brian Shaw. Obviously, he was the setup guy for Cody Allen, and he came over. He was expected to be kind of same role. He was expected to, you know, get some holds in front of, uh, Wade Davis and kind of you know be the be the bridge from seventh inning to the ninth and kind of hand it off to Wade Davis but he really struggled last year and in spring training he's really struggling too he really his biggest problem last year as I touched in in my article on mile high sports last week was he really he didn't have the control last year he's been 
pretty he's been pretty good throughout his career control wise but he had the hardest he had the highest walk rate of his career last year and also the highest hard hit rate so that tells you that he's kind of all over the place kind of doesn't know where he's go where the ball is going at times and that can be very very detrimental i mean he's kind of one of those guys where you wish that the nine million you were paying him you were paying adam Onovino instead um obviously they didn't get quite what they expected because he was amazing for the indians i mean he has a couple years under three RA, has a ton, ton of success in front of Cody Allen. Actually, even picks up a couple saves here and there. Um, so it was, it was really interesting to see how much he struggled with how good he was for the Indians. Obviously, he's 31. It's not like he's on the complete back end of his career. His fastball has come down a little bit, um, but it's not, it's not anything that's you know incremental i mean he's sitting relatively the same metrics are relatively the same except for that hard hit rate i mean he's he's getting hit all over the park and last year every time they were calling upon him you kind of didn't know like as a ball club what you were going to get from him i mean one night he would come in shut him down the next night he comes in allows two bombs and you're down you know it's he was very inconsistent last year and i think that his struggles are the same as Jake McGee, obviously one of the lefties in the pin. He's He was acquired in that Corey Dickerson deal back in the day, which actually an underrated facet of that deal was the big the big target in that deal was Jake McGee, but it actually landed the Rockies' Jermaine Marquez as well. So that deal seems to have worked out pretty well. They obviously re-signed him to $9 million a year as well, um, right along the same lines as Shaw, right along the same line as Ottavino. Um, his biggest problem is he used to just dominate right-handers, you know, and as a lefty, that was, that was pretty surprising. Obviously that's kind of a reverse split and it was really due to his fastball. I mean, his fastball was amazing back in the day. It was one of those that kind of lit up the radar gun. You know, he's sitting 97, 96, you know, and he's hitting almost a hundred. And then when he came to the Rockies, it kind of dropped a little bit. Now he's sitting around like 95, and that's really, really hurt him. Obviously, his splits are still the same. He's still dominating righties to a degree, dominating being a relative word. And then lefties are doing a little better against him. But lefties are hitting nearly 300 against him. Righties around 270. And that's up from, obviously, his around 200 mark for much of his career against righties. So um, it's kind of discouraging, I think, for the club to see that right after they give him that extension, he gets lit up throughout the year. Um, especially when he was supposed to be one of those guys that, you know, they could call upon to, you know, not be a specialist, but if they needed to get two righties out in a row, he was kind of the guy that they could call upon. And it really didn't end up working out that way. Um, and it's kind of carried over to the spring too. I mean, he's getting hammered in spring training is allowed nine earned and six innings. He has nine K's. K's are never a problem for him. He's going to get his strikeouts. His problem is that he's just allowing far too much hard contact. I mean, 35% of the balls that are hit against him last year, 53 were medium, were you know relatively medium hard hit balls, and then his hard hit percentage is 35. His soft hit percentage is only 11%. So it's kind of it's hard to see him recuperating kind of what they expected from him unless he gets that fastball back. And I touched on that in the article too. I mean. It's one of those things where you you wonder if it's just age, if his maybe his arms fatiguing a little, um, or if maybe he just you know mechanically just doesn't have it as much anymore. But without that velocity, he he it's going to be very hard for him to get back to where he was. 
obviously is one of their, you know, lefties that they have to rely on. It'd be really nice if they could rely on him and if they could, you know, rely on him to get multiple righties out in a row and then also maybe get a lefty out, especially with that new rule with the three batter rule. I mean, him being able to sit down lefties at the same rate as he's sitting down righties would obviously be, you know, instrumental in his success. I don't see it happening, especially after the year he had last year. He's probably going to be another one of those guys where you bring him in and just cross your fingers. Um, if you're Bud Black, I think overall for him to be one of the lefties they're going to have to rely on is very telling of the Rockies' lack of lefties. Um, the, the other lefty they have in the pen that I think actually could carry that part of their bullpen is Mike Dunn. Obviously, he's hindered by that shoulder injury last year. He had to get it shut down late in the year. Um, but he still pitched pretty well. I mean, he had he had a couple of those outings, you know, that bloat the ERA a little bit. He allows four runs against the Dodgers in June. Doesn't even register an out. So that obviously is going to pump up that ERA. Um, but he also had a 404 batting average on balls in play. Obviously, if you don't know what that is, it's just kind of when the ball is put in play, how often are they getting on base? How oft, What is their batting average when they put the ball in play as opposed to if they strike out? And it was 404. That was by far the highest of his career and just a ridiculous number. It's bound to get lower this year. Um, I mean, you would you would think it's very hard to maintain a 404 BABIP unless you're just, you know, throwing, you know, underhanded soft toss. I mean, it's really hard to keep that. His strike rate has dropped, his strike out rate, excuse me, has dropped a lot as well. So that's kind of hindering his success a little bit. Um, I think if he could maybe get that up a little bit, but he was still not allowing very many hard hits. It was, you know, the lowest hard hit rate of his career. His fastball velocity dropped last year. Obviously in 2014, he's throwing around 96 to, and last year he's throwing around 93. Um, you know, it, it makes you wonder if maybe that shoulder injury was still affecting him a little bit. Um, obviously it played an impact because he missed several in several games last year, obviously, like I said, gets shut down. So you would think that had to have had an impact on it. And now that he's back and he's ready to go, I think he's going to be better. He's had a great spring, hasn't allowed a single earned run in eight innings, only three hits. So he's looking very good. He's not striking out a ton of batters still, but he's keeping the ball in the yard and he's keeping the ball out of the field really i mean only three hits so if he can continue to do that obviously he's gonna probably supplant jake mcgee's role as like their dominant left-hander because if you can't rely on jake mcgee and you don't know what you're gonna get out of him you kind of have to look elsewhere i mean you can't you can't rely on jake mcgee to be the guy that he was for the tampa bay rays when he was you know their closer their elite reliever when he just hasn't shown that with the Rockies, I think they're going to obviously go to him a lot. He'll still get his 60 appearances, but Mike Dunn is going to be relied upon quite a bit, especially if he, especially if McGee's, you know, spring training numbers continue, obviously spring training, spring training, you always take with a grain of salt, but it is, it is disheartening when you see, okay, you know, it's disheartening for black, at least when you see, okay, Jake McGee gets destroyed last year and then comes into spring training after a full off season and he's still getting destroyed. Obviously you, like I said, you take it with a grain of salt. A lot of spring training stats don't matter, but if it carries over into the regular season, then you look back and you say, okay, this happened all throughout spring training. So, you know, maybe it did matter. Maybe he wasn't just having, you know, getting crushed because he's testing out new things. Maybe he just didn't have it and he still doesn't have it. 
Um, so it's, you know, as with those being, you know, they're two predominant lefties in the bullpen, it's kind of tough to imagine that Jake McGee won't get taken over by Mike Dunn. And then we move on to another righty, Sungwon Oh. I may be totally butchering his name. Looked up the pronunciation. Very difficult name to say. I feel very uncultured when I try to say it. But he was kind of their pick, their big pickup. Obviously, the year before last, they pack up, they pick up Pat Neshek. Last year, that was Oh. I mean, he gets traded for for Forrest Wall and Corey Spangenberg among among a, a couple others. I think there was a player to be named later, some cash. But obviously, he's the big the big piece and he he did amazing for the for the Rockies much like Pat Neshek did the year before and there were thoughts he may retire and go back to Korea finish his career there but he's going to play out his deal obviously this is the last year of his deal whether those rumors were true or not he he kind of dismissed them right away um you know it wasn't one of those things where he avidly said I'm no matter what I'm always staying but he he didn't he didn't lend you know, much thought to it. Obviously he's, he's one of those guys also that's been getting crushed in spring training. He hasn't been discouraged. I mean, he's talking to Patrick Saunders at the Denver post the other day. He said, he's not worried about it. He's still confident. Obviously he's trying to keep up that nickname, the final boss. So he'll, he'll likely be one of their, uh, one of their better relief pitchers. If those spring training stats are just, you know, an anomaly rather than kind of, what we're expecting him to be as a consensus. I mean, I think that me personally, I expect him to be pretty good. I mean, I think his, his breaking stuff works really well in Coors Field. Um, obviously when he's locating it, once he stops locating it, you're going to get destroyed in Coors Field. It's just with that outfield and with the type of, you know, with the type of altitude you're dealing with at Coors Field, you're going to get crushed if you allow that, allow that breaking stuff to stay up. I mean, take it from me personally I was a pitcher in high school it's when you don't have your breaking stuff working you're gonna get crushed anywhere in Colorado it's just how it is um I'm speaking from experience because I constantly got crushed in high school so it's I think that I think that for him to be successful he has to keep all of that down um moving on to a much much obviously oh is is his size is very underrated, but moving on to DJ Johnson, who's just this huge lumberjack looking guy. Um, he's a right-hander. He got announced. It was announced today that he is going to make the team. Um, and obviously with, um, obviously with, you know, Carlos Esfez getting sent down, there was, you know, there's always thought that who knows who's going to stay, who knows who's going to get sent down. But in, in his nine appearances this spring, only allowed one earned run. He struck out six, eight and two thirds. So he's he's pitched really well, and he pitched well last season. He kind of he kind of came in towards the end of the season in September. Um, I think it was partly due to the Dunn injury. Obviously, they lost him, um, and he had success. I mean, he only allowed earned runs in one single game out of all of his appearances, um, and they were all three earned runs and a loss to the Nationals. Um, but other than that, he was really good. He got a ground ball out in the NL West title game. Um, that was the only battery face. And then in the game one loss to the Brewers, he comes in for Chris Russin after Russin allowed Orlando Arcia or allowed after he, oh, sorry, after he allowed P Manny Pena on base. And then DJ Johnson comes in. He allows an Orlando Arcia single. And then he strikes out Hernan Port. Perez and Lorenzo Cain to end the seventh, um, stranding Manny Pena. 
both strikeouts swinging. So he kind of showed that he has the makings of, you know, a dominant reliever for them. Um, it's, you never know what's going to happen once the real at bats start, once he's consistently facing major league hitters, as opposed to, you know, the occasional minor leaguers that he'll see in spring training, but he's looked really good in spring training and Bud Black's going to give him the nod for the pen. Um, and it's deservedly so they need, they could use, you know, more arms in that pin. Um, considering they're probably not going to be able to rely on their starting rotation as much. Um, so moving on to another guy, big beard, just like DJ Johnson, Harrison Musgrave. He's a lefty, which the Rockies could really use obviously, cause they're very depleted with lefties and he's likely going to make it over Jeff Hoffman for that final spot in the bullpen. Obviously Jeff Hoffman's a starter, but there's, there's been thought that, you know, maybe a long relief role, but that's kind of Oberg's situation. So it's unlikely that Hoffman would make the roster for that. Um, he was, he was pretty good last year. He had a problem with walks, you know, 22 and 24 and two third innings. He doesn't strike out a lot of batters, which makes, which just compounds those walks a little bit. He also allowed a good bit of hard contact. So, I mean, you're kind of getting a mixed bag with him. Obviously he's a lefty. That's what they need. But when his fastball and his slider are both hovering around 91, it makes him have to rely on being crafty more than actually throwing it past people, which is very difficult to do at altitude because the second your stuff's not on, 91 just becomes a beach ball and it's over the fence, you know? So it's, he could have lots of success. He could become that kind of crafty reliever that's able to get guys out, able to ground guys out. And he throws two other pitches as well with that fastball being the main pitches. He throws three other pitches Obviously, the sliders is secondary. Two others that are above 10% usage. So he has a good repertoire, but it's just a matter of being able to utilize that the best he can because obviously he can't rely on his velocity. Um, those are kind of that's kind of the bullpen in a nutshell. Um, the rest of the guys that, as I discussed, Jeff Hoffman. Um, I'm I'm of the belief that I think he should be that long reliever, and I think that allowing Oberg to be a second long reliever, obviously you could still bring Oberg in for short relief appearances, but I think having Jeff Hoffman and actually giving him those innings in the majors, as opposed to sending him to AAA Albuquerque to start there, I think it'd be good for him. Um, obviously he's not a reliever though. So changing him into a reliever can be very difficult. Um, I just think that this year is kind of the year for him to prove himself. Um, so, I would think as an organization, they would want him in the bullpen in the starting rotation somewhere. So he's on the major league level and he's pitching day in and day out on a major league level. Um, but it's looking like he's going to get sent down again and his future will really rely, rely on injury. If maybe Chad Bettis goes down, Tyler Anderson goes down. If John Gray, you know, gets blown up like he did at first stretches last year, they may need him for the rotation. Um, but it's looking like he's probably not going to make an impact pending any injuries. And then you move on. You obviously have, as I discussed already, Estevez, who was sent down with Pat Vileka. Um, He was just part of the, you know, the annual, the annual options when spring training starts to wind down. Obviously, he's best known for his huge fastball. I mean, that's he lights up the radar gun, but that's also brought about some control and consistency issues. I mean, when that fastball is on, he kind of gives you visions of 
not quite the velocity of a Jordan Hicks from St. Louis, but he just has that wild factor to him where those fastballs are going anywhere and the batter doesn't know where they're going either. So it kind of works to a degree, but I think his consistency issues and the fact that he isn't throwing 104, like some of those relievers that can afford to be wild has really hurt him. Um, the final one is Yancy Almonte. I, I've been a fan of him. He looked great in limited time last year. He was part of that Tommy Canely deal with the White Sox when Tommy Canely went there, killed it for the White Sox. Obviously, he wasn't very good for the Rockies. Kills it for the White Sox, gets traded in a package to the Yankees, and he's become not a big-name reliever, but someone who's probably going to get a decent paycheck at some point. Um, he's... Almonte's probably going to have to rely on injuries or fatigue, just like Jeff Hoffman. Obviously, if, you know, Musgraves doesn't work out, if Johnson doesn't work out, um, Yancy being a righty, he can come in and spell someone if maybe they're not having the success they want. Obviously, O is getting older, so you never know injury-wise where he'll be at. So I think that I think that Yancy will have an opportunity to make an impact this year. It's just going to be reliant on injuries or it'll be reliant on those late season, those late season opportunities. Um, Chris Rustin, as I said, is dealing with that back injury. Um, He's probably not going to be ready for the start of the year. There's no actual diagnosed injury. Um, He's just having some back spasms, back stiffness, and it's probably going to limit him from starting the beginning of the year. Um, but once he comes back, they're hoping they get the Chris Russell that they got a couple years ago when he was, you know, just lighting the world on fire. He was one of their best relievers. And then last year he wasn't quite as good. Um, I kind of touched on him in my article as well. I think that the Rockies could really use what he has to offer. Cause he is kind of like a, a Scott Oberg of sorts where he can go those longer stretches. Um, but obviously, if he's not successful, there's not much use for him, especially with that back injury. I think once he's healthy, he'll probably go to AAA for a week or two, get ready, and then come up to the Rockies. It's obviously, you never know when he is ready to go, what the injury situation is going to like for their look like for their bullpen. So he could be you know, relied upon heavily. He could be relied upon minimally. You really don't know. Um, that's kind of... That's kind of about it with the bullpen. Obviously, as I've touched on multiple times, they're very righty heavy this year. Um, I expect once again that they'll likely, if they're in the hunt, which I think they will be, um, they're obviously going to probably make another midseason acquisition like many teams do for some more bullpen help. Wade Davis, they're going to have as their closer, so they know they have that sealed down. So they just need some middle relief arms. Um I think that their starting rotation is going to be very good this year. So I think the reliance on the bullpen won't be as heavy, but for them to go and be a better than league average bullpen, like they weren't last year would really help the team's success, especially in those close games, end of series rubber matches. It really helps when Chad Bettis takes the hill, Tyler Anderson takes the hill and you know that after the sixth inning, you can pull them, you know, they allow three, four runs. You can pull them and you know that you probably won't allow many runs the rest of the way. That's what I think as a club they would really hope that they'd be getting, but they really don't know. I think that the bullpen, just like many other teams, you don't really know what you're going to get. Obviously, you have the Yankees who have Ottavino, Batances, Araldis, Britain. They have, you know, they know what they're going to get, but many teams don't know what they're going to get. 
And I think the Rockies are kind of on the same boat. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with that. So tune in next week. Later next week, we'll have the batting order podcast, kind of previewing the batting order. And then obviously opening days on Thursday in Miami. So the season's right around the corner. Um, So all these questions that are waiting to be answered will be answered relatively soon. I'm Luke Zalman with MileHighSports.com. See you guys next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.